0: Hey everyone, it's Alice here with another episode of Poetry Says for you. This is the longest episode of Poetry Says that I've ever put out, and to be honest with you, it's one of my very favourites. This is a chat with Antonia Pont, whose book You Will Not Know In Advance What You'll Feel came out with the Rabbit Poets series late last year. I got to go to her launch and it was amazing. Antonia read in response to poems that her friends had written that were bouncing off poems in the book. It was, it was so, so great. Antonia is one of those people writing poetry in Australia who you may not have heard of, even though she has been working at this craft for many, many years, not only as a poet, but an essayist. She also teaches writing and literature over at Deakin Uni. And she is a yoga teacher. She founded her own school back in 2009. She's just one of those people that has a very particular, very special perspective on life. And you will hear that pretty quickly as we get into this conversation. There are so many quotes from this chat that I have written out in full because they're just so wonderful. Antonia says things like, You only want to lose yourself once you've got one. She talks about the vicious momentum of trying. She also says things like, writing needs a body that functions. And in describing how she's been spending the past few months, she says, steadiness, laziness, pleasure, and kindness. There were so many things in this discussion that I I had to hear at the exact time that I heard them. I got to Antonia's house incredibly sleep deprived, stressed out, and as soon as I walked into her front yard, I just knew I was in exactly the right place, I was where I needed to be. I walked into her lounge room and Antonia's got two beautiful new kittens and one of them came up and sat on my feet, which was so gorgeous, and she gave me cake and tea. And we just started talking about the book and from there we went in all kinds of different directions but always coming back to this theme of looking after the self and protecting the self from the pressures of basically neoliberalism. Basically the, the pressure of striving, that idea of productivity and the pressure that that can exert on oneself and it's a pressure that I feel I am particularly uh, addicted to I guess so this is a episode to listen to if you're able to go on a long walk or take a bath or just sit on the couch with a tea or a wine it's one to really sink into and I really hope that its message of radical gentleness resonates with you at the moment enjoy for the whiskey cake
1: off the bat hey no that's uh that's thanks to the lovely housemaid and family parties on the weekend oh that's always good yeah but then then you have the cake and you're like you're just like if we eat all this we'll die we better give it to visitors (laughs) (laughs) so thanks for helping out
0: (laughs) it's a real danger especially at the moment that's
1: right death by cake death by cake
0: Um, I would like to launch straight into talking about your wonderful book, if that's okay with you. That would be great. Yeah. Um, My first question is around the title. So the book is called You Will Not Know In Advance What You Will Feel, which on the surface sounds like an obvious statement, but as I was driving over here I was thinking there's actually a lot in that. And I'm wondering if you would like to unpack how you landed on the title and what the significance of the phrase is to you
1: sure um i know exactly where i landed on the title it was in the backyard of my german friend's munich suburban house where i was placed by my my german friend who knew i was getting on a plane in the next whatever 10 hours and was like i'll make dinner you just lie on the lilo and relax and uh which was a very kind thing and sometimes there's those magical moments when someone just tells you to stay put mm. and uh and just says stay there in this nice place with the nice sky and a vegetable garden to look at and and wow. um just just do that and of course you know then if you're a poet you're like wow I just find words are coming to me I would better write something down but it doesn't feel like work it's not like you're working so that's a great that's, friend. that's where the words came from and I guess I was at a difficult point feeling kind of torn in a certain kind of situation I was in and the suffering of that I was using this phrase on myself to alleviate the suffering of that in Mm. a way Mm. in the sense of saying you're quite sure the feelings will be terrible but you don't know that they will be terrible so maybe just try to imagine that you don't know rather than fixating on how certain and all knowing you are that they will certainly be terrible wow. so that it was it was it was like a little comforting mantra I was using to kind of steady myself as I transitioned from at that time Europe back to Australia that's amazing I have almost exactly the same story leaving wow. Japan
0: wow. yeah I had um I had this uh friend let's call her a friend for the sake of simplicity that I was leaving um in Japan she lived we lived together on the coast of Fukushima um and on the day that I had to leave Japan I was like I won't be able to handle this there's no way I can't I can't be without her I just will die and uh like from
1: cake but instead from absence yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah, but so I sat. I was sitting in the you know the the gate lounge for the Qantas QF, whatever it is. Mm, it's a it. good crying place. Oh my god! And I wrote in the notebook something something very much like this: like you you can't predict the future. Um, you thought coming to Japan, you didn't know you were going to meet this person. So how can you then say that you know what's going to happen? The next bit. Well, yeah, but there's such certainty in that sort of deciding how you will feel and it feels so immovable um yeah so that's kind of crazy
1: yeah wow that's really that's that's a really good story as well there's a whole new book of poems in that (laughs) alice for you (laughs) oh
0: boy but yeah maybe maybe this is actually something that people do often maybe this is a gate lounge tradition (laughs) Gate lounge.
1: It's like I'm surrounded by strangers. No one will care if I just sob uncontrollably Mm. until the announcement comes over to board. It's yeah. Airports are such weirdly
0: intimate places. So, but so you were leaving Germany to come back here. Yeah, yeah, and not
1: not in a not in a, a super long term sense. It was just kind of that knowing that you're about to step back into. A situation that has been difficult and that mm. has, doesn't really appear to have an answer in the near future, and so mm. yeah. And i I think, I, I guess, and I mean, I guess that I feel like people keep talk, saying that sentence back at me now. If I'm in a conversation and I make some imprecise statement, a friend will say, "Yes, but Antonio, you don't know in advance what you'll feel." Oh, and I'm no. <laughs> Being weaponized. it's been weaponized it's great I'm like no that's true I mean that's true um
0: <laughs> but sometimes maybe you just want to have the win that's right
1: yeah, yeah. but I, I mean I I'm really sort of my whatever my intellectual work or whatever whatever the right word for that is um is very interested in time and and in kind of notions of futurity that f- for now or, you know in the last years have kind of gone via a certain reading of Nietzschean stuff and Eternal Return and and Deleuzean stuff about futurity. And I, I guess, you know, I've come to see that pessimism is very imprecise.
0: That's also a very cool title.
1: Next book? Yes. Pessimism is very imprecise. I'll, 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 I'll try and remember that we said this. <laughs> oh, very cool, very, very cool.
0: Yeah. On the back of the book, Lisa Gorton has written some beautiful words and one of the things she says is, like Wolfe's novel, The Waves, this work creates the silence out of which it speaks. Um, and I was wondering what you think about that comparison. Like that's a pretty that's a pretty big comparison to be compared to Virginia Woolf. Lisa's very
1: kind. That's all I'll say. She's very <laughs> yes. kind. She knows how to do a good back book blurb, <laughs> if that's the right name for it. Um, yeah, it was very kind of her. I mean, it's. I was very touched actually that we didn't discuss – my thematics or intentions around the book very much at all Mm. so I was astonished and also not astonished given it's Lisa that her reading of it was so astute or well for me astute's the wrong word like it was so uh, harmonious with some of harmonious and yet extending and clarifying my own Mm. efforts in the work if that makes sense as if someone reflected back and I was like I feel totally comfortable with that description and I wouldn't have been able to say it myself, and yet you've said it, and it, it, it sits so yeah, so comfortably for me that that yeah. kind of emphasis about silence and, and time It's like yeah. that that's true. I don't I forget that that's what I obsess about most of the time, and, and the idea that the poetry would just deliver that to the reader, even yeah. though I'm not trying to write a poem about time or silence or something, that yeah she, yeah she took that from it was it was very interesting, and I guess it shows what what a very good reader of poetry is, I think. It was it was impressive. Absolutely, yeah. I I've had that happen a
0: couple of times. That people have read stuff and seen this theme, which I am actually obsessed with. Yes. But I am so obsessed with it, I can't actually see That's it right. anymore. That's
1: right. It's um, it's the what you swim in? You'd never be able to name it. If Someone said, "What are you into?" You'd give them some random, banal response about something else. Yeah. And actually, the, the main thing you can't see. Yeah. yeah.
0: Do people ask you that question? What kind of poetry do you write? people
1: sometimes ask you that I don't know it's it's weird I kind of I'm I I don't know like I've written poetry for so long it's it's almost embarrassing really and it's so (laughs) in as in you know like this this is my first book so you know in some ways it's kind of embarrassing and appalling and delightful and all those things but it's like it's so part of what I do that I actually don't declare it you know when someone's newer to something and they're like I'm a basketball player yeah yeah, I'm I'm doing whatever you know I do it with roller skating at the moment it's like yeah I roller skate I mean as if like for five seconds but the thing you're more new at it's like you declare it more Yes. and I feel like I, I don't even sometimes people don't I mean my friends didn't you know have to have half of my closest people barely know that I write so much you know and then I give them a book and they're like oh that's Oh, that wonderful! How interesting, you know? Oh, poetry book—that's nice, dear, or whatever. And I realise I don't—I don't always say that. That's probably what I'm up to a lot of the time. Yeah. Mm. So that's my own, you know, lack of neoliberal nouse. You know, not mm. not self-branding nearly viciously enough. Tut tut. tart, tart. Yeah. Um, yeah, but was was struck- if they did, I mean, I don't know what. Yeah, what? Yeah, if they, uh, I don't guess. I don't think people do ask me that question because I don't self-brand effectively enough. It's a,
0: it's, I think for any poet, it's an unanswerable question. Um, I always think if
1: I did a PhD in poetry, which wasn't my PhD, that Mm. I'd be able to say it, you know, because then you've got three and a half years and you, Mm. you, your supervisor's telling you to clarify your lineage and da, 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 da. But that, that wasn't my pathway.
0: Yeah. But also to what end, like, means the conversation can move on in the, weird cocktail party situation that i'm conjuring up here but that's about the only use it was a cocktail I... party
1: for you well for me it was where was it <laughs> that's a good question yeah some kind of weird like awkward house party where you're kind of cold and there's only like stale corn chips or something that's exactly <laughs> it i'm always cold <laughs> at house parties everywhere yeah yeah,
0: yeah. um so you mentioned the thematics which is kind of where i wanted to go next and there are there are quite a few that I want to delve into I'll start with this one eroticism (laughs) it's I said to you when I emailed you about the book after I read it uh it's a very sexy book and it is comfortable in that eroticism and joyful and there's even humor in that I'm thinking of um the poem Octification which I think is uh very sexy and also quite funny I take it as funny um Do you think that eroticism is off limits to poets is that a fair kind of generalization because i don't feel that i've come across a book this comfortable with that way of writing with that theme um probably ever Hmm. really
1: yeah it's an interesting question um I think I've been a cru- crusader for women having desire from a disturbingly young age, probably, mm. like to conversations with my mother at 11 going. I don't understand why sex is different from conversation. You know, some people you have conversations with, and people you have sex with, why is it different? And, of course, my mother was horrified and, you know, immediately concerned about her slutty daughter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was speaking purely from the- theoretical basis at that, uh, at that tender age. But I think... I think that statement's pretty sound. <laughs> <laughs> sound, but also, you know, she was like, yeah, but it, it is different, darling, you know, mm. and I guess then you spend a lifetime working out mm. how it's different and, mm. and why and making, you know, tactical errors along the way or clarifying or nuancing that 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 area in your life or Mm -hmm. that aspect of being a person Um, I think so I guess you know I'm also a body practitioner Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: um I've done that also from a very young age and if if you engage seriously with the body at some point you have to engage with um one's failures to respect the body and also uh, learned hating of the body as a kind of micro daily practice and so for me as I kind of got into feminism in my 20s early 20s um, you know at Melbourne Uni I had this daggy body image feminist group where we might go around on weekends and do life drawing and I don't know whatever try and self-care or you know do clumsy things because I kind of acknowledged that basically you know feminists had to kind of go yeah I'm not my buttocks you know to quote Kaz Cook a great great statement but Mm. also that that women then feel doubly guilty because they they do want a different relation with their body and the body is this fraught sight of Mm. of stuff Mm -hmm. and so I think for me like there's something that connects that um deciding to respect the body um to a kind of eroticism that doesn't feed off the abject, so that that so, so some years ago that there's a there's a set of poems that, uh, um, is partially in here and not all of them are in there. There's other more appalling ones that I, you know that I think Jess Jess at Rabbit and other you know I decided weren't going to be in there, but I really kind of some years ago just wanted to try try to write erotic poems from a woman's perspective that were neither talking about how great it is that you desire me, that classic thing of the woman the woman's position is to desire the desire of the man, mm. if, if it's a head scene, or, um, or kind of to sort of celebrate an abjection, which is a, is a completely valid way to go, but it's not my, it's not my style, I think. And it was mm. just like, like, you mentioned the kind of joy and the playfulness. And, and so I said, I'm like, can, can I write a sexy poem? Because sexy poems are often embarrassing. Like, they're just like, oh, eek, you know, like. Pretty much impossible know. to pull off, which is why I think this book is
0: so bloody impressive. Because I never felt embarrassed.
1: Well, that that's great I mean that's <laughs> that's great that's that's really that's very encouraging but that yeah. that was the thing I'm like I'm going to try and write some sexy poems because like humor like horror you know to turn text into sensation in the body for the reader if that if that works is you know like eroticism is really hard because mm-hmm. actually it, it's good if it works like if we kind of have also a visceral answering to what we read this this is this is kind of what would be aimed for not just a kind of cerebral oh that's nice that's a nice theme but actually a kind of response or a a sense of enablement or something like yeah I don't know there's just there's just kind of I think for me I'm curious about a paradigm for the body and for sex and for desire that would leave everybody a dignity Mm. and that's not always the trade or something or it's very hard to maneuver existing paradigms to make that happen but that's I'm adamant about that, which doesn't also mean it's particularly vanilla or or particularly whatever, but a kind of, yeah, where where is that? Like, what, you know, is sex about power, for example? You Mm. know, and I'm, you know, this sort of thing, like sex is always about power, isn't that Oscar Wilde's thing, whatever? Everything's about sex except sex, which is about power. That's his kind of classic, that's his quote, yeah. (laughs) Um, And, you know, just a questioning about that, not necessarily that it doesn't have to be or that it shouldn't be, but, like, is it only ever about that, you know? Mm. um, A bit like, you know... Are we as neoliberal subjects only only fighting tooth and nail against each other for survival you know is that is that all we are you know so mm. is 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 wild right that sex is just about parents like i don 't know i don 't know is is that all you know maybe yes and you know and that kind of yes and 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 mm. as long as that proliferating sentence can go the better
0: yeah so. yeah absolutely yeah
1: so yeah thanks, thanks for noticing <laughs> <laughs> i i think
0: i 'll jump to. Something I was going to ask you more towards the end, but I read this incredible piece that you wrote in LidHub in June last year about envy. And uh, yeah, because you were just talking then about the female relationship with the body, which is something that I'm thinking about a lot mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in my own life. I'm really unhappy with my body, yeah. es- like, especially now. <laughs> It's not doing the things it usually does because I'm not living the life I usually live. Yeah. Um, and you, you write in this piece. It's called "The Writer Antonio Pont versus Envy," which was um, the US
1: title, by the way. The original, oh. the original essay was just called "Pont versus Envy," but they—that's way better. You know, it's yeah. better, right? Yeah. You know, four letters, four letters, two in yeah. the middle. But of course, it, it they they wanted to kind of make it make sense to the uh-huh. to the anonymous audience. So, okay, yeah. fair
0: enough. <laughs> fair enough. Um, so you, you you write in that if someone wants to make you look too much, then my advice: fucking riot. Because more is at stake than you know. Um, I feel like there's a question there about protecting your time and attention mm. from not just social media, but but everything. But to link it to what we we're talking about just now, like, um, yeah, also stopping, also protecting yourself from being co opted by you know a a gaze that's not your own a frame of like reference that's not your own in terms of the body what what sex is do you like all those things um and i don't know you you strike me as a person that works pretty hard at dismantling that stuff yeah like or
1: moment to moment almost would that be fair to say yeah you gotta fight the fight (laughs) yeah don't lie down (laughs) (laughs) do it standing up (laughs) don't lie down (laughs) This is, now, this is now a sex advice podcast. Um, no, it's really interesting that you connect that essay where I was thinking much more about, you know, when someone makes you look at everyone's achievements you know this thing that happens and I don't know maybe you know maybe I'm just more willowy and fragile than everyone else but it's just really intense when everyone just presents their achievements over and over in like a list and Mm. you know conferences parties scenes festivals is everyone rocking up to each other with a pre-prepared speech of stuff that I'm doing will do have done and have been applauded for you know it's like holy moly like what this this is not a human exchange this is like this is this is what we are as neoliberal subjects trained to do it's constantly like like claim our turf hope that that intimidates someone else into incapacity I don't know it's just not it's not much fun actually I don't find it much fun I mean others might and maybe I just don't have a competitive style about the way I move through the world but Mm. so that was more what I was talking about that I I feel Mm. that when there's this when we're forced to look at other people's gains or achievements or whatever that this for many people the question is if it incapacitates you then try to avoid that exposure try and avoid having someone constantly tell you how great they're doing or whatever which is which Mm. is all this weird kind of smoke and mirrors that everyone's involved with and I think social media is big on that sometimes and sometimes it's not sometimes it's real discussions happening about events and that's quite interesting Mm. Um, but I think it's really interesting that you connected to sex because I'm I'm interesting, interested in the danger of the kind of, I think this is the right use of the word, of the scopic, you know, like, I don't know, from once I was joking with a friend of mine who's um, deeply involved in psychoanalysis and I was joking that, you know, sex is not about the vision, so, you know, it's about what you feel, in you know, in the dark or whatever. And then, you know, she joked, she said, except that it is, you know, except that the gaze is involved, you know. Mm. You know, from a pure psychoanalytic stance, the gaze is involved. And I think that's true. But I think... I don't know, like, uh, you know, I say this to everyone. It's like I've never used, I think I've never seen any porn in my life Mm. except for one weird lesbo porn thing that my weird cousin thought I should see because he thought I was gay (laughs) and and thought he was being kind of really racy because he's like, oh, I've got some lesbian porn that you like. It's like, really? Can't we we just go to the beach and have the swim we planned? Why are we sitting here in this creepy apartment watching you watching this thing you think I want to see? But I think that's my only time I've ever seen any porn mm. and I've prevented myself because I don't want to see the gaze that that I mean and of course it's totally very, you know I say this from me but of course you know it's as diverse as you could possibly want and I'm sure heaps of people who make porn are like trying to subvert it and you know blah, blah, it's a whole it's a whole thing so mm. I'm also in an ignorant position but there's something about being forced to sort of see one's own position sexually as a thing mm you know, rather than to experience it. And I think it's confusing in a way. It's like, I don't know, it's like if we want to dissect in in like male, female or head relations, different kind of positions, then I don't know, people can see one position as less dignified than the other. And that's really problematic if that's someone's pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's weird, it's just a bit thankless to be asked to go, oh, you know, when you do this act, this is how you look doesn't look very dignified does it or you know it looks like you're kind of taking it or it looks like something mm. it's just like maybe we shouldn't be looking mm. because actually the experience of it is is really not at all mm. like the film of it and maybe that maybe that's not maybe that's not really oh no, that's that's not doesn't bother me at all but I think mm. there's something about it where yeah I guess this interest for me in sort of like levity and and intensity of experience and humor and and dignity basically so that how this this, so this dignity has to sort of where does it function because I'm Mm. still surprised at, despite the fact that we're supposedly secular or post-secular or whatever you want to say that that actually there's sort of like guilt features people have guilt around sex and desire it's still there like have we not thrown this off folks but like people feel guilty about wanting stuff and it's not joyous Mm. and I, I think that there's a weird for me the sort of there's something about what I from the outside in my ignorance perceive porn to possibly be but I don't really want to be enlightened Mm. is that it also functions really conservatively. There's this sort of profound conservatism that, you know, a bit like how people accuse um, Desart of being profoundly conservative. Mm. You know, that that somehow there's sort of a flip is that it can, if we're rebelling against something or imagining that we're naughty, it's only in relation to a paradigm that says that that even... Matters or whatever, you know, like to really yeah. transcend guilt and the conservative, you kind of got to get out of there, you know. Yeah, Well if that that's... makes any sense, I don't know. I'm rambling now, definitely.
0: <laughs> no, but I, I, I love it, and there's so many, there's so many things in there that I strongly agree with. But I think broadly that is what a poem like Octification. I might get you to read mm. some of that for context, um, but also this book and your poetry in general i feel like it does the thing that poetry is best suited to do which is a fracturing and a um uh like it's that like gertrude stein the difference is spreading uh-huh. i always ah, like that line hey, like she wow. kind yeah. of, it's like finding highlighting difference allowing for difference making things bigger yeah yep. less cohesive yeah yep. and looking at things from multiple angles at once um
1: that's a totally awesome aim for poetry, that's perfect yeah. Well I that's, think that's yeah. what's happening
0: um, Would you like to read, it doesn't have to be that poem would you, would you like to read some of something? Yeah, no, pick Pick
1: whatever you think Okay, well why don't we, since we've talked about that poem so much Which, which has it? been dubbed the bestiality poem The bestiality But poem. maybe we could just say pansexual <laughs> <laughs> What would the internet dating sites call it? Pansexual Yes, I was talking to a
0: friend about that the other night <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that term. There we go.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Shall I read the whole thing and you'll cut it if you need to? or Go for it. Sure. Yeah, I can even show it. you the book where... So it's um a, a big exhibition of... Um, Shunga pictures, the spring pictures which were kind of Japanese erotica delivered mm. to housewives when they started their marriages, was, came to the NGV like some years ago wow. and so I've got a massive book of it and cool, cool, um, cool. so there's just heaps of like, there's always a voyeuristic aspect there's always like a couple doing outrageous things with enormous with enormous body parts it's hilarious and it's so funny, they're funny mm. and then you have someone looking through the curtain who obviously kind of gets off from mm. the scopic or from mm. not participating and somehow the whole thing is, is wildly is wildly sexy and then of course in that there's lots of work by Hokusai, and mm. then there's this amazing, um, for, for listeners on the podcast, um, called Dream of the Fisherman's Wife, which is basically a woman having an octopus go down on her. That's wild. Like, it's a wild concept that, you know, this is, this is part of a like, very conservative Supposedly, you know, Japanese marriage preparation or something. Amazing. Um, it's, it's totally amazing. So that's, so octification, hence the octo is, is in relation to that octopus and then I kind of played around with the notion of other, other kinds of species, mm-hmm. hence the poem. So, as what species could you love me best? Hunt my pleasure most sweet precisely. Our wants unleashing bright ladder blips pirouettes in the chains of full moon mathematics as a smooth brown bear lumbering near on heavy legs through funk of the leaf rot i'd curl my back to your hot plush belly breathe your breath and umami fur with your heart a far monster coming nearer and faster building raw weather in my tiny ear or need turns feline you enter as cat from the sodden garden glittering darkly Making dogged beeline for my trailing legs Turning bedroom eyes all snakish upon me Lazy, quiet and quite decided To thrust your triangular perfect head Into person hands and person hips While my fingers probe into shoulder bones Finely mobile under liquid pelt Needing that narrow and vulnerable place Till you buckle and flip and with vision a slit, we board our plateau of sustained invitation. Or you are forest, trees, want erupting in bursts umpteen, precocious confetti leaves, gasps of howling colour storming me on every side. You a rippling cloak of carnival eyes on my mat and mottled nudity, faces flurrying, quilted, wanton, swarming my face in quick block swatches, coming in squalls, buffeting surface, swaddling my waist, all feathery, pungent, then calmed to cushion, to coy, fickle bed of grit-smitten tumbling, you, my whisper city of orange and red, your manyness flicking me to spectrums illicit. But were I to let want even more and wetly further, unpicking those edges of sly politesse, I'd be found soundless on combed sea floor with you on, around, and monstrously in me. Ghastly head with waveless gaze trained on my closed and flitting eyes, your eight keen limbs sleuthing my sensitive, disc sucker pocked with reach to drown me. One tentacle thick beneath my nape, a pulsing yoke with tip in my lips urging my tongue to mute imitation another a question mark fast at my breast and a tale to verify rosy punctuations then slipping from statement to swelling obscenities those syrupy lozenges neither spelt nor said you auspiciously splice and divide my pleasure between surface envelope and muscular inside you network the folds displace every shell and artfully deploying my lush supine with invertebrate canny deftly unspine me
0: Whew. <laughs> yes
1: better get back to the tea party back to the tea, tea party <laughs> 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 it's
0: really just like this cumulative um, effects that that poem has and, and so many of them in the book do as well um, so that after you've read a few you really do have to just take a moment and be like should I read another <laughs> one? I don't know but I wouldn't want to give the impression that that all the poems are about sex or dealing with eroticism because you're doing so much other interesting and amazing work there. Um, I think another theme, if, if we can try to draw one out, would be uh, a lot of the poems are, like, suggestive. They they use kind of an imperative mode or voice, but they're... they're not instructions they're more suggestions towards what i understand to be freedom like freedom from the self i guess um i'm thinking about uh the poem inoculation which ends no less and less and less Mm -hmm. um and uh there's one that feels sort of like a sister poem to that called technique which um has the lines what counts is that you'll no longer be driving yourself off sanity's cliff anxiety will leave you like a troop of fleas which is so good um yeah anxiety is so itchy right it's sort of an itchy feeling (laughs) quite yes very much so um yeah and and it strikes me that this is an area of this must be an area of interest for you trying to if we're talking eroticism, the self is obviously there, but to have a a degree of separation from the self and the ego um, seems like another important
1: thing that you're looking into. Is that fair to say? It's an interesting. It's an interesting thing to ask. Um, I've sort of. I mean, what's interesting is I've kind of. You know, I've been around enough left wing hippie, whatever, non non Western non Western interested circles you know in my in my good number of years to you know to have spent time around buddhism and 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 more importantly around people reading buddhism and giving interpretations of what they think it means mm. um and so i you know i have my uh equally i'm sure ill-informed take on that so it's tricky when you raise this question of like getting you know the, the, the role of the self um this also you know you've asked me a question that kind of dovetails totally with what i do in my kind of intellectual work i guess and that's I think you know if if one goes into certain lines of ontology then you know the self is a pure construction so it's it's buildable and constructible and therefore sometimes um dismantleable mm. um, whether by choice or by you know by force mm. and so I guess I think a mistake that can be made is that you know you only want to lose a self once you've got one and that's why feminism needs to be balanced with a kind of Boise Buddhism, which I find um, dangerous for women, actually. And you know, we—it's—it's it's a work to make a self. So you don't just get one, I think. And you know, one could go to Winnicott for that, or to other you know people in psychoanalysis. And um, and so I think what I've what I've found in my kind of scholarly work is that yeah, the self is constructed via repeated action and habits and you know whatever we like the things that we do over and over at every register in our being you know whether it's the heart beating as a habit to keep us alive or the skin cells creating whatever or or to get back to body image stuff you know the the hateful things we utter under our breath over and over you know they they build a self they build a certain kind of flesh Mm. you know hate can build flesh or it can unbuild flesh or it can transform flesh or bone or posture or whatever and so um i think i am interested in not taking the self too seriously but I also in my own practice as a feminist um you know have spent years building one building Mm. one that was strong enough and stable enough to withstand you know the gusts of the world you know and I don't just kind of go oh I should just drop the self or oh I'm in this scenario it'd be best if I'm totally compassionate and let the truck of life run me over it's like no this is not what Buddhism is after and I think in lots of ways Buddhism kind of possibly comes from moments where the self was kind of simply more established and, you know, one was in communities and one had a sense of being loved, let's hope, or that one had a place, I don't know. So it's like to have a self, there's a whole lot of things required and I think um, sometimes people dive into Buddhism thinking it's an answer, or as in what I'm saying, Buddhism is not a, a, an interpretation or a reading of certain things in translation quite often, etc., or passing through weird ego psychology. In the st- I mean, it's, you know, it's such a fraught world of literature that... Um, that you know i i think yes the self is something we construct we construct it every day we can make decisions around that construction not not you know as as, as butler would say not not arbitrarily i'll do whatever i want mm-hmm. but there's some r- wriggle room and there's some things we may not wish to ramify so we cannot ramify certain things and we can place intentionality in other ways and we have to build a self otherwise we fall apart and we feel terrible like that that feeling of kind of existential or even ontological wobbliness which is so horrible for me is when I haven't kind of built myself myself well enough that day that week or that there's hostility around and I I need to be stronger actually Mm. so yeah there's Mm. there's the sort of freedom from those shackles but weirdly once you realize that you build the self that it's not um there in a kind of given way you've got both options you've got build yourself better you know and that sounds a bit neoliberal but you know what I mean not not in (laughs) wellness blah 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 self-realization blah sorry not all that but you know build build a sort of a, a kind of energetic stability in yourself whatever that is for a person and know that that it's also not fixed like you build it you can you know tinker you can tinker around and that's a sort of felt a felt thing not not a self that is a brand no it's not so it's self not identity and that's very different so I have very little interest in identity politics on that level, I guess. It's just mm. not in my bag. Mm. You know, as much as it matters in certain historical moments, you know.
0: This is crazily like exactly what I need to hear this exact day. <laughs> cool. I, I've been doing, I think, far too much work dismantling what as you're speaking I'm realising as a self that probably needed a bit more bolstering. Yep. Um, And I have been in those exact Buddhist circles, literal circles, Mm. uh, where the feminine is totally maligned, totally discounted, and made very, um, just pathetic, really. Ah, And, And all the women in the room are like, yeah, yeah, no, totally, because something, something ego and
1: it's just very surface level. We we need one and we need to know it's foibles and we're also an unconscious creature and all those things are true but... (sighs) yeah no I've I've been there and I've had friends come and talk to me about how their relationship's going bad how their partner's abusive and how they probably just need to work on their compassion it's like no you fucking don't need to work on your compassion <laughs> you need to work on an exit strategy this is very different <laughs> do not confuse your re- your registers of uh, religious involvement or you know <laughs> spiritual spiritual misreading yeah. yeah misread poems it's not that dangerous but don't misread the, uh, yeah, the text. Yeah.
0: registers is that's such a great word I feel like that that comes back to yeah where I was sort of driving it before like um yeah how these poems operate multiple registers at once um I want to dive in to talking about the last poem in the book yes so I know when I wrote to you about the book I, I mentioned that this was probably my favorite and you said that it there'd been a bit of conversation around its inclusion um, it's got so many wonderful lines in it, and yeah, it's operating. It's all it seems to be set in, in a coherent time, but it's doing that pointing to other moments and and things, and yeah, that looking from multiple angles at once thing. Um, yeah, I guess first of all, I'd like to hear about that conversation around getting it into the book. If you're
1: willing to, yeah, no, like that. it's it's weird. Like I've it's a very old poem. It's mm. a really it's like I don't know. I don't know. It's at least eleven years old. It's an old poem, and it's never been published anywhere else. So mm. somehow, um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, oh, I would call it, I want it? Ah, it's probably a bit long. Ah, would Meany want it? Eh, probably not. Eh, you know, just like kind of going. I, I don't know where I'd place this. I yeah. don't know who kind of has similar um, interests in who, who would. I don't know. Just it's that kind of sensibility and. I'm quite interested in a vernacular sensibility at times more than maybe some of my poems imply, or, you know, in terms of a lot of work that I make, it's, it's been in the past very vernacular and mm. I don't know, you know, a love of Bukowski, you know, a politically incorrect love of Bukowski or, you know, other kind of particular vernacular works, I guess. And, um, so in a way there was something quite, uh, I don't know, pedestrian about Mauer Park, you know, it doesn't, mm. it, I didn't feel like I was doing anything clever. It was just like, you know, a labor of love. It's like, there was this one day in berlin and we were happy
0: but i mean what better (laughs) thing to memorialize for lack of a better word in a poem like yeah yeah the line in it that i loved so
1: much was it's like there hasn't been a sunday for years which is a quote which was a quote from my girlfriend at the time you know (sighs) just really saying far out you know and and the way a day can open up and feel utterly timeless mm. and then what one notices is how long it's been since we just, you know, hung out together mm. with no agenda. Mm. I mean, it, it seemed, I think, when we exchanged that email, it was also at the start of the kind of pandemic lockdown and I, to some degree I sensed, as well as the horrors that have come along with that, which are not, you know, not to be uh, sneezed at in any way, but for some people, I've I feel like this, this forcing of of a slowing down, um, which obviously comes with economic austerity, which is no fun, has also meant that they could just take a rest, mm. just just maybe sleep a few more hours a night. Sometimes, you know, to mm. kind of get off the adrenaline train. That you know, like we're, we're 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 junkies on something that fries us from the inside, and 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 the economic conditions often demand that we fry ourselves from the inside and you know mm. no one's quite sure how to get out of it but it's violent it's totally what you're talking about
0: before though in terms of that like performative listing resume type
1: way of being like and who's to say we don't need to maybe maybe we're in a we're in an economic system where if you don't do that you go under like no one's really sure so you know people who <laughs> so do that are great people no and people who do this are great people they're my friends they're people I love and know but yeah. everyone's kind of compulsively feels like if they don't declare themselves you know fully it's it's this emphasis on productivity which is is the most it's like an incredible kind of um pervasive violent um, imperative that, yeah. that you you if you don't justify your existence every second and if you and if you're in the arts you just do it in a different way to someone else who is a a parent or what everyone everyone is busy declaring that they are they are not resting ever you know? <laughs> There's a word in German in the kind of Schotten I think it's called Schottenfreude Schotten. It's in one of the one of those almanacs by Ben Schott. Oh, and it's right. um it's Schlaf machismo, you know, sleep machismo where you, you just constantly go around letting everyone know um how how much you don't bother sleeping, you don't need it. And it's modelled on Thatcher, who apparently just did that a lot
0: oh my god you know at the beginning
1: of this I mean not the beginning but you know at a a crucial turning point in the neoliberal moment you know Mm. Thatcher was busy saying there is there is no society there's only the individual Mm. you know this is we're only individuals we're clawing each other's eyes out to to strive towards the happy life which is just ahead
0: Which, (laughs) (laughs) which somehow happens in a bubble like um yeah separate from all those other things wow yeah again this is all stuff did we stay on
1: topic did we stay on topic i'm not sure no (laughs) we never should okay good good because
0: yeah this is all stuff that i like before um i keep thinking about what my year was meant to look like ah yeah so the week that i emailed you i had a book launch yes um which didn't
1: happen yes every people would have just listed their achievements at you I know
0: uh yeah and every week I was running obviously my um I was co-producing an improv night yes which was amazing and fun but also
1: deeply exhausting yeah And Um, and a wonderful improv night it is my gosh
0: I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah that, that's probably the most painful thing to have had. If you're going to be go
1: exhausted, off. it might as well be for something that makes people laugh uproariously. This is what I think, yeah. 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 So,
0: so it's, yeah, that there's quite a bit of sadness around that. But then, so what I was going to do with the rest of my year was this month, I can say this mm. now because I've just had a conversation to resolve this, but. Um, no, actually last month may i was going to be doing a collaborative visual art exhibition with my best friend yeah. and we had the gallery books oh, and we were going, wow, so it was wow. going to be launched wow wow um comedy festival visual art exhibition then i was going to chicago to learn improv in america so basically my year was spoken <sighs> for until yeah, september yeah, and all these things are wonderful and i'm so happy to have had them but jesus christ when i think about that now i'm like what the hell was I thinking? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I just got off uh, before I drove over here, I got off the phone with my best friend and the galleries just emailed us this week and been like, look, you can have your money back if you want, because we won't be able to have any kind of real launch anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And I just said to her, why don't we just take it? Let's get our money back and just forget we were ever going to
1: do this. Buy some lingerie. <laughs> 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 Sorry, that would be my exactly. obvious suggestion. <laughs>
0: exactly. Yeah, And she's like, you know what? You're right. Um, yes but it is there is a letting go involved in um, admitting to oneself like I don't actually need to be constantly productive even in an artistic sense like you're right it's the same thing just like different. it's just
1: a different milieu yeah i was gonna put the heater on oh cool? sure yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah that was my little story of my yes. life there um
1: I, I think that's well exactly that kind of feeling of the year yeah uh, undoing Mm. itself and leaving sort of space it's Mm. fascinating like just just like some space yeah to uh to sort of float about in and i don't know like Mm. water the plants and pat the cat and i don't know Mm. make make a whiskey chocolate coffee cake so good
0: um but in that space for me and Mm. i'm interested to hear what's happening for you but i haven't written a thing really i've been writing joke poems nice um that's
1: fantastic
0: as in like really intentionally shitty poems yeah yeah um no
1: my constant practice is to also write okay <laughs> right, right. shitty poems
0: but have you felt in the in the space i'm assuming you have space maybe you don't maybe it's wall-to-wall zoom meetings but mm-hmm. um yeah what's your writing and reading looked like over the since we spoke last um
1: so i've been i've been cautious because of that kind of like um now we're in lockdown you know we should write that shakespearean play that we've had up our sleeve i've been cautious of that because i think people have felt it and probably with my work at deacon i've so two things i've noticed i think um i've noticed that i think my intellectual capacity has been a bit less i've just clocked it it's like yeah i'm not not quite as conceptually fast as i normally am and Mm. that for me means that some part of my brain is preoccupied with what's happening, Mm. even at a level that I can't see. Mm. I think there's there's a busyness going on behind the curtain, if you like. So so I've I don't know, I've sort of emphasised for myself, um, you know, steadiness, laziness, pleasure, kindness, doing even fewer things than one could imagine. And and doing my work, which actually hasn't been less. So my my Mm. day job at Deacon has probably been slightly more Mm. than it usually would be or, you know, different composition because there's been a lot of sort of student support to do and Mm. that that matters to me. So it felt like in that role there was a place to step in and do a particular kind of pastoral care um, to to in in a way to sort of show the students it's like art will hold you, Mm. not productivity as art but art as in a practice where we're just going to keep writing folks and we'll write a bit shitter than normal but we'll keep doing that thing. As long as you don't need it to be good, we'll just keep writing and it, it will hold you and we'll just, we'll just do some reading and it, it, will be, it will be better than five hours of Netflix and some, you know, the mm. 60th Uber Eats order. It will be better than that, as, as all of that might also be good, but that just mm. the quietness of reading and this sort of um, something about the difficult pleasures that hold us better than mm. the shit we're sold, you know? Mm, Yeah, it's good to be reminded of that Yeah, or something, so I I don't know, yeah, so writing and reading I've written a few little sort of smaller things Um, I've been working on kind of that book on the table there is is a book of photographs, there's no words in it so I've been sort of working on ekphrastic responses as kind of Meditative. Mostly, they're really shit. You know, mostly crappy. But it doesn't bother me. You know, just 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 you know, look at a photo once a day and try and write something crappy. And and that's even kind of dropped off in various moments where, whatever students needed help from. You know, nine a.m. on the dot. Then you know mm. you you kind of start the administrative day. Then and then mm-hmm. it usually if you start the administrative day, my experience is it usually has you in its grasp until close a business <laughs> it's good to delay yeah. the administrative day if you can yes um, yeah you yeah. were saying
0: as I came in that you hadn't checked your email till a little bit later today
1: yes just a little bit later yeah then you just can do some other things you know I have to remind myself regularly my job would like me to think not only respond to email mm-hmm. you know this is this is a all of us you know we're kind of you know we're sort of caught in that idea it's that thing of whether you can initiate or only respond and I kind of watch my capacity in those you know like responsiveness this could even be gendered you know responsiveness is easier you know what does someone need me for great i'll be needed and i'll do that whereas initiating Mm. action um takes a little bit more wherewithal and sometimes you know a bit more if if you let one play off against the other responsiveness is often easier Mm. i think oh absolutely yeah i mean you let somebody else frame who you're going to be for the next 40 minutes no that's right that's right yeah like i'm doing here which i'm loving (laughs) (laughs) well yeah I i didn't
0: realize as i said that um i would like to give you space if you want to take it to talk a little bit about your embodied practice which i will use the shorthand yoga
1: yep yeah sure
0: um you also wrote a fantastic piece in the Lifted Brow last year. It was published last year called "The Anatomy of a Trigger," and there's really, really fantastic paragraph that I've cut and pasted here. Um, I won't read the whole thing, but there's just yeah, both of these that I've quoted from I want to go back and read like five times. And in this one, you say yoga is one approach among many good enough ones. The point, however, is the most profound reasons for doing yoga arguably fall into two clusters either you have a niggling urge or proclivity towards researching some hardcore ontological matters through your body Um, and or second reason your life is a secret train wreck and you seem to be the reliable source of most of the wrecking and you wonder whether this odd set of practices called yoga might be able to make a teensy impact on your being such a fuckstick (laughs) so all that it's good we're
1: laughing because we could be crying as Uh, well right (laughs) i was earlier
0: but yeah so um there are obvious ways we could probably talk about how yoga connects to writing and poetry like it keeps your it keeps you out of your head all the time keeps your body you know able to function sustains the actual physicality of the practice
1: but yeah that's right because writing needs a body that functions yeah mostly janet frame describe this very well in her little story solutions where right. the person progressively cuts off bits of their body because they're so burdensome and then they're just sort of a bloody head on the ta- it's great I mean I don't know, or a brain or something anyway yeah. it's, a, it's a great kind of you know uh, performed yeah. metaphor
0: that's very much I think how yeah a lot of how I've thought of it um, at points but yeah I'm sure there are there are many other directions from which yoga um, can come at poetry and poetry can connect to yoga and I wondered if you wanted to talk about that at all
1: oh that's such a nice question um (laughs) I think I mean yoga stands in at the present moment for a whole bunch of kind of quite sporty you know self-maintaining must you know another kind of piety right it can be this other kind of piety I must also maintain my neoliberal unit so I can produce and whatever you know all that stuff right so there's that Mm. and it it, whatever people find that very satisfying way to use it it's also fine Mm. but I think I think really when yoga um, and often people move from one to the other you know we start in a you know aerobics yoga and then people's curiosity gets deeper or a bit more nuanced and they start looking for another kind of way or just new layers to Mm. add to the the other layer of kind of um, you know being vigorous and shaking up the system which is which is excellent given our lifestyle but um i guess what what it's really training is um pure um sensitivity sensibility sensuality um body awareness feels a bit ick to say that's so, like yeah it's a bit blech. it's an overused word we're poets we get annoyed with words right <laughs> yes i get word, i get annoyed with so many words it's just endless i'm so i'm so intolerant okay. um, I, I cannot hack <laughs> social distancing right now the, the word I, I can't hack it 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 is triggering me no right yeah there you go <laughs> the word is just just yeah, freaking yeah, yeah, yeah exactly anyway. so so yeah whatever whatever we want to call it so yeah. in terms of practicing yoga whether it's because in the, in the style I work in, yoga means sitting practice, as in meditation, plus breathing practices, plus poses practices, mm. plus study. So it's a four limbed system, right, which right. is why as the intellectual I, I took to it so well because mm. I'd had too many yoga teachers go, Oh, Antonia, you think too much and I'm like, I don't think you think well enough, mate. <laughs> the mate being <laughs> being pointed here. You know, I don't think my thinking is a problem or if you're tortured by your own thinking, sucks to be you. But that's not that's not what my question is. Maybe you just don't want to answer the question. And so mm. yoga and thought go perfectly well together, <laughs> in my opinion. It's just that often our thinking is a bit unruly like our posture is a bit unruly and it needs us to be kinder to it you know to be interested in it rather than wanting it to shut up you know like if you want your thoughts to shut up like a toddler it will not shut up right you can only listen better and be more patient and the gems will come up through the the thickets of supposed nonsense you know I think so I think that I said recently to to a bunch of yoga students on Zoom, of course, um, you know that really, when we meditate or when we do poses we 're just listening to ourselves more closely mm, mm-hmm. you know with with less of a um, an immediate shutdown or an immediate disapproval or whatever, and I think poetry isn 't so different it 's that we yeah. have to tolerate ourselves on the page in a big jumbled mess of banality and mediocrity and oh my god did I just write that sentence that's just so shit my god am I is that really me but it's like once you know you and I know this once mm. once you stop caring that the shit sentence is on the page you just keep writing and through that process of mostly a lot of rubbish comes some some sentences we like just mm. you know a little phrase that we like well enough and that that's that's where there would be a, an obvious crossover between yoga and and writing is that you you just stop being so tyrannical with yourself mm. so it's the opposite of a body tyranny it's the opposite of a mind tyranny this is where you know people say oh you do yoga because you must be so disciplined or you we that we do meditation to control the mind like I just am like none of that I do not want to hear a single no 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 mm. it's the opposite it's actually you totally let the mind go wild you know mm. and you totally in a way let the body's ability to feel go wild like how does the floor feel and you know why is there a a circular patch on the bottom of my left foot that connects to the inside back of a patch in my sacrum where I get tight when I think about these topics (laughs) for example just saying asking for a friend right (laughs) so you know like it's like that's that's what you're doing is is really being so um, not knowing in advance what your body feels not knowing in advance what bits connect to other bits being so so radically willing to see anything including as I've said to a student who is actually a very very well-known Melbourne poet who's excellent um you know just talking about the thing of you know the weird thing in yoga is you're trying to see no you're trying to feel the places that are numb Mm. Mm. what are you unwilling to feel one of my favorite yeah but like it's so you know like yeah what how Mm. do you how do you kind of um how do you how do you feel what isn't there what right. doesn't what doesn't show right how yeah. do you feel that part yeah. in your back in which mm. you have no sensation so you mm. don't even see it you're blind mm. to that particular patch in your back mm. you know and for, you know the way that that connects to places we've shut down because whatever there was there was trauma there was bad times someone did something to us in that place and we don't want to think about that place anymore so we just blanket mm. you know and that's mm. in a way yoga is often about feeling what can't be felt or, and I think writing is no different. We're saying the unsayable, mm. if possible, or bringing that to expression as best we can with all the clumsiness. Or
0: Yeah. Yeah, or at least making space. Yeah, possibility, broadening possibility. Um, what is the Emily really Dickinson thing? Oh. I live in possibility. Oh. Is that it? I don't know i'm tired um
1: you're doing great
0: <laughs> uh yeah that's thanks for the question a, thanks for the cool, question it's such a cool parallel it's such a cool parallel i'm really glad i asked because that is it's exactly the same thing really isn't it yeah just making
1: well i think both fields can have the impression from the outside from non-practitioners that it's about control Um, discipline yeah and it's like Mm. no it's it's full anarchy inside Mm. you know so there might be the sonnet form for sure but within that form it's it's like anything goes or you know you're sitting in meditation and your face looks calm but inside you know you're killing someone with an ice pick it's like it's fine it's fine you're not killing them really you're just imagining it and that will (laughs) help you listen to yourself better and work out what on earth is going on in you in your experience blah 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 and that that's pretty cool I reckon
0: it's so cool and it's such a it's such a process of turning the ship around and talking to people when they first approach these things because mm-hmm. I have meditated for about 10 years now and sometimes people will ask me or they'll say... It's, it's the same phrase, just different words. Basically like, I can't meditate, my mind is too... Unruly, yeah
1: yeah,
0: I can't write poems, I don't get it, I don't get poetry,
1: yep, and in yep. both
0: cases, I'm just like, you're not meant to have a, a mind that's tame, you're not meant to get it,
1: yeah um,
0: <laughs> that's right but that that's not a satisfying thing to hear for, as for as people beginner. approaching those no that's true yeah
1: that's that's true I mean that's why there's sort of some mm. anchors offered in both scenarios, I guess or mm. you know it's you know. Procedures for writing are, are wonderful things, you know. Like just giving yeah. someone a procedure is awesome, and yeah. and I guess you know yoga in, in a way. At the start, people kind of go, oh, "It must be about getting the poses right." And you're like, "Yes, yes, of course it is about getting. Of course it's about getting the poses right. Let's do that for a while, you know." When of course it's kind of not really, yeah. Um, and yeah. doesn't, and it doesn't matter how you know. I'm very, very proud that in my in my yoga school, there's you know lots of folk. I don't know, quite a few folk over sixty-five. You know, mm-hmm. like starting. And it's like, that's right. They're never mm. going to get heaps of poses right, but, mm. like, they'll be really good yogis because mm. they're just a lot wiser than all of us. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. That's right. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I've just recently started moving into spaces where there are um, majority people over 60. Yeah, awesome. And, yeah, it's, like, just... Oh, there was such a... I didn't realise how how hungry I was for that. Yes. I was just so, like... It was just missing. It was a huge void in my life, having that kind of experience, like people talking from that kind of experience. But yeah, in the yoga studio, I am surrounded by ladies in their early to mid-30s in beautiful tank tops. Yeah, that's, that's and yeah. they look great. <laughs> I like to wear them. I think I <laughs> like to
1: wear Target <laughs> pajama bottoms, you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I really need to try one of your classes. Um... I'm wondering if you'd like to read another poem.
1: Sure. Do you have a? I think it's your choice, and you can also look at the poem list of names because it's hard to remember all of them.
0: Um, I have a note here about black and white photo.
1: Oh, if you sure. want to read that one, sure. yeah. Also a very old poem. Yeah.
0: It's that thing where people point to your older work and you're like, oh, what about the new stuff?
1: Okay, black and white photo, which used to have another title, which was Meteorology Has Always Been an Inexact Science. Oh, that's cool too. It's getting late here in the suburb that reminds one of light and blindness at the same time. The trees are quiet and fragile in the snowed in quadrangle and that house whose purpose I don't know. The best thing about snow is that it turns your life into a black and white photograph as if what is happening now is already memory and you are looking at it safely from a distance. I have never eaten reindeer rissoles before and am experiencing other things for the first time. Crowds all around and hustle and bustle of the Mensa, arrogant man opposite us with newspaper, and thinking about it afterwards, now in the black and white photoness of less than 45 minutes ago, my stomach hurts and I'm able to realise it's not up to you. And there is plenty of information on which to decide to leave. I can now make decisions which are right and which I don't necessarily like. Perhaps this will be remembered as one of the advantages I had in being so much older than you. And I will miss very much the blonde wood of the desks, the green overhead lamps, the quietness around and in my mind. I would mention your temples, your sweat and double teeth moons on my shoulder skin but I'm savvy now to sentimentality. It's possible that in the next days we will eat with the French and take a sauna with the skinny, funny boy. With less time remaining, I will think differently about everything, listen and feel like a guest and tourist again. Children on sleds, those fat black birds with the blue mark, big white fish pudding sausage, snooze tucked in between teeth and lips, numerous cheese slices in one drawer, lime wire icons, wide light switches, fur-lined converse laced around hems of jeans, smoke-free clubs, willow-footed dancers, sitting two persons to one big chair, hands gritty with salt, sparks flying between sled blades, rocks and snow, frozen waffles, Icelandic chocolate, weak tea from the plastic jug, young women who look like cherubs, young men who look like pixies, soldiers taut in front of the palace, black sludge piled at the side of the road, candles burning outside the eating folded cake with sweet mock cream and falling on wrists and arse and knees when it's black outside early whole walls can turn into mirrors and leave you sitting with only yourself to look at between our two cities there are two letters in common and it's not enough what with all those stark kilometres all those degrees of Celsius there's only room at the end for street lights to come on I will make my way home without slipping in the dark
0: Thank you Yeah, again that poem I feel does that amazing thing of being in multiple points in time at once you're in the moment of deciding to leave you're already gone and looking back you're already in memory Um, you're slightly further like 45 minutes on in, in that day Um, Yeah, it's just pointing in so many different directions and it feels... That all feels really natural to me. It feels like a very coherent and strangely linear poem, even though it very much isn't, if you actually look at it. Um, Yeah, I mean, if we didn't have poetry, I don't know how we would would do that thinking. (laughs)
1: This (laughs) is true. This is very true. (laughs) Like
0: yeah you you need that ability to kind of move around in time even in a
1: small way like yeah yeah there's a there's a it feels like for me that there's, there's a certain justification that poetry um excuses us from you know?
0: right yeah
1: you know there's something i don't have to justify there in a way or make coherent mm. entirely or the mm. the edges cannot quite line up and the not lining up is is part of the pleasure mm. you know that kind of it's, it's like a there's something more wabi-sabi about the way the things don't don't fit and thank god they don't fit because tidiness is kind of so diabolical or you know something about that 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 everything becoming just mm-hmm. just right is is where we never want to be I think
0: mm. yeah yeah because I read that poem as a poem of um yeah leaving separation and I think in traditional narrative those separations are always very definite uh complete there's never any going back there's never any sending someone a message while you're on the train that you just got on (laughs) (laughs) there's never any like you know um deciding to leave and then going no no how could i possibly um yeah again like we just we need poems like that to to like yeah bring bring that truth onto a page into
1: experience so yeah to stop the knowing being too like you know what's the word deafening you know that we we, we're that we're sure that we know what we're going to do and
0: Yeah. yeah 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 surety being a sort of prison Even though it feels like safety,
1: so weird. It feels like safety. This in year six. What's it? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, it it feels like safety, and yet it—I don't know. It like like dooms us. Mm. It dooms us to a small set of to a small set of um, yeah unfoldings or something like that. Mm. I think that's because for me, in terms of the way that you know we all kind of limit and sabotage our lives, along with a kind of self we're sure we know or that others have told us that they know or like that that just slightly just slightly drawing back from from that kind of self like a self where we're we're certain it's done and dusted or something Mm. like the possibilities for I mean you know you, you mentioned earlier about you know about your body and whether it's doing what you want to do I mean this this is this question of like of like the ages we live through and I I do feel that there's these scripts for a way a life should unfold, which are also wonderful. And if, if one finds happiness in those rhythms, it's great. Like mm. it's easier. So that's that's great. But let's say one doesn't find happiness in those rhythms or it's not the way that, that you know, the thing, you know, lands or whatever. I think it's, it's just, it's that thing of, I don't know, like un- until I fall over, it's like inven- reinvention is possible at every minute, like as long as I don't decide that you know the denouement has begun it's like it 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 hasn't begun nothing's begun you know
0: oh man i'd fully decided that earlier today (laughs) Um, Let's, let's undecide um there's a there's another line in the in the last poem before the coda which i think relates to this where you say i could have once turned something into poetry but shouldn't poetry be that thing which turns the writing person into words so instead of a closing in and a delineating there's a fracturing exploding um and yeah so much like that's such an important kind of gentleness like such a relief in that you know jeez I'm trying so hard for no reason. <laughs> I don't know why. This is, this is <laughs> well, so I do weird. know why. But yeah.
1: Well, it's I mean weird. also momentums of trying or inertias of trying or effort. Like, this is what I do know from from like my study of practising and, and like theoretical work I've done in mm-hmm. the area. Manuscripts that, you know, it will get published as whatever at some point which will be exciting cool about you know but a heavy theory you know unreadable unreadable for sure good good um, <laughs> but this idea that you know like um one of the one of the yoga texts uh vachis Pati mishra writes that it talks about the, this effort that we have to drop a dropping of the natural effort is mm-hmm. what is advised for yoga poses which is very interesting compared to like, yeah, work it harder, work to the burn, whatever. Like we're, <laughs> we're trying to drop the natural effort. And mm-hmm. so he, he kind of unpacks it and says, so this suggests that it's like in order to relax, in order to realise that we don't need to try so hard, it takes a minimal amount of effort to notice that. And this is for me the most fascinating thing about exhaustion, Mm. um, is that when I'm exhausted, all of my system will do everything harder than it needs to. Yeah, because because relaxation is a kind of nuanced form of coordinating the body, Mm -hmm. just enough to go. Yep, don't need to clench the jaw. Left Mm. hip also doesn't need to be on bottom of the right foot you know it could be just overdoing things a bit but i have to have enough energy to, th- to think of those three places yeah
0: otherwise there's an automatic
1: clenching yeah we go to default mm-hmm. and then of course we run the reserve like so it becomes a sort of vicious momentum in the other way where we keep running our reserves down by a kind of um, an effectively useless tension but mm-hmm. that isn't nothing to stop you know to mm-hmm. so i think you know weirdly gentleness is is the hardest discipline if we want to even use that word which I usually don't but Mm -hmm. it's it's a lot just to be like yeah I don't need to and it and it builds Mm -hmm. its own inertia you know it builds its own momentum in that direction there's a beautiful thing about um the kind of um the samadhi mind that my yoga teacher talks about which it says um samadhi is also a samskara Mm. so amazing right so for for people outside the vocab of like bodhisty stuff that you know, samskara are like little, um, you know, grooves, let's say grooves in our in our style of thinking or in the movements of our thought or our being or whatever. And, you know, we gouge if you, if we constantly go, you're really shit, you're really shit, you're really shit, whatever, that's a little samskara that mm. gouges out deeper and deeper and then it forms its own eddies in our system and diverts, you know, diverts the way things move. Mm. But it's just beautiful to sort of when one meditates a little bit or, or, or relaxes a little bit, that's also a samskara and it, to builds its own groove and that that's a sort of very I don't know it's a very it's a nice thought of solace to be like yeah when when I do have a moment to be gentler or Mm. to let my mind just ramble about like an innocent you know puppy dog in a paddock you know happily sniffing different things then that's also a kind of it's got its own um thing that kicks in and keeps running mm. and that's mm. sort of heartening or something for yeah. me at least
0: like it doesn't always um snap back to like it's not a natural state to be negative and clenched and self-berating like i don't think so yeah no that's there e- either is as natural as the other yeah that's really cool um i was wondering as like a wrap-up question so I, I feel a bit of a fraud because you've, you've mentioned a lot of theorists in this conversation and I've nodded and said mm, a lot but no, no. very few of these people actually have anything to do with because um, I, I, yeah, I just don't know they work very well and I'm
1: wondering if you could give me There's a lot if- to read in this life and we only have so many hours no, of the day <laughs> It's brutal.
0: Um, I'm wondering if you could give me a couple of like three things I could start with like if I were to try to apprehend where do I where do I begin with the theory
1: Um, there's a very accessible set of Deleuze lectures online that are are Deleuze um, Gilles Deleuze the French philosopher who who died I should know when he died but around the the turn of the century I think Um, Yeah, that's my ignorance everyone can google that and I'll be wrong Um, anyway but he, he has you know of course he has some big books and you know they they can seem very impenetrable and and in lots of ways for me one has to read theory by just assuming that you're wandering around in the dark bumping into stuff you know knocking lamps off tables and like that's just how it has to be and I think that's the only difference between people who read theory and people who don't read theory is the people who do read it are used to being completely bamboozled and just go, I have no idea what's going on, but I'm just going to read another couple of pages. Yeah, like yeah. I have really no idea what's happening here. That's so great. No, it's, yeah. it's really what it yeah. is. And um, But but so he also, of course, was a teacher and a lecturer at mm. university. And so someone who I think is still totally anonymous has transcribed um, his lectures from recordings and oh, there's amazing. gaps and there's bits you can't hear and whatever, but they're online and they're typed up. Um, awesome. And so there's heaps of them on various things. So he's got a big lecture about um, Immanuel Kant, which Mm. is a really um, great, you know, pretty hard philosopher to read. And so just a kind of welcoming, kind, Mm. like really pastorally warm, here, let me hold your hand as we enter into this Mm. tricky area of thinking. And it's really, you know, a history of ideas, actually. It's not, Mm. you know, it's not contemporary philosophy. It's just this was once thought and we've built on that and adjusted it and whatever. And then there's another lovely lecture that, you know, people who reads Spinoza would not necessarily agree with Deleuze's take on Spinoza but um, a, lovely, a lovely lecture about him which is mm-hmm. very practical in the, in the sort of, you know, the Spinoza idea about um, that joy is our experience of the increase in our capacities mm. and that sadness is our experience of the decrease in our capacities mm. and for Spinoza it's ethical to pursue joy you know and we experience joy when we can do more and not less mm-hmm. and so you know so Dillers unpacks this in a kind of playful way and he talks about addiction he talks about you know Nietzsche's relation to Spinoza and whatever but it's it's kind of chatty and that that's really nice because you kind of get the voice of someone who's like oh you know he's he's not I well, you know, I don't know what he's like but like mm-hmm. on on the on the page here he's not a snob you know he's not he's not trying to shut anyone out of these ideas he's he's genuinely going look you know it's a bit hard but let me help you and It's possible, and I don't know. I I kind of, I guess I'm like, you know, I I think there's a statement by Badu about, you know, communism is elitism for all. And I really, I don't know, I love that notion that Mm. it's egalitarianism shouldn't be about, you know, we'll all wear grey clothes and drive bad cars and and eat grey soup, and, you know, there'll be no art or dancing, you know, Mm. that this is the kind of propaganda from the West, you know, Mm. it's like that egalitarianism means that nothing good will ever happen because only, the only good things that come are when we're all you know scratching each other's eyes out mm. to go back to our very start and so this idea of actually it's when you know everybody gets a chance to read some books sometimes mm. to make some art which um i remember hearing in a in an indigenous panel years ago at a, at a conference someone just saying and like but basically our people just worked out how to survive on enough food and then we basically had parties and made art you know like it was a good deal. And then when, then, we get this, you know, where everyone's sitting in traffic for two hours a day to get to a job that they hate. So they, I don't know, so they can go to the so, Gold Coast. Yeah, <laughs> like a... like... Oh, boy. I don't know. I mean, I, that was that was my memory of this Indigenous panel. That's but I was amazing. like, yeah, good point. Really good point. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. Um, I'm wondering if you might want to read a poem to round out but maybe sure. we should wait until we can wait till
1: which one which one what I will leave it up
0: to you although I do I inoculation has that beautiful last line so that would be my suggestion but any really any would
1: be totally fine inoculations you've got such a good memory <laughs>
0: now I'm looking at my
1: notes <laughs> yeah yep. all right Thank you, Alice, so much for this opportunity. It's uh, been so thank fun. You. It's this been so is... fun. I, I can't thank you
0: enough on so many different levels. Thank Maybe you.
1: every conversation should have microphones to just keep people on track so they can't just <laughs> ramble off too self-indulgently and then we'd have really great catch-ups with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true. Right. Inoculation. Soak your head in the sun swathe. Till its sugar seeps in slow Inoculation against daft other sweetnesses Palpate in ongoing dark a proper light Know to move at it To place a foot without reluctance That public contriving Nobody sees anything so Go now at once Step aside from customs squander On a high rock sits avian time Watches tirelessly our dense sea Learns new palettes of impermanence, vast, vacant colour, the systoles of luminosity, temperature's paradox. Your head, oceans. Hunt loneliness like a blind creature, skimming the carapace backs and submerged frowns of burnt volcanoes. Shoot the slow dark slowly into your own slowness. Meet in molasses depths, a sating dire and terrifying health no less and less and less